here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. What's up, folks? Dylan DeChair here with a fresh episode of The Drop Zone. Uh, it is Wednesday evening right now, and already we've had a, a month's worth of golf news just coming through these last couple days. Live Golf is live. The disruption is happening. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, the latest pieces to fall into place. Negotiations are happening overnight, left and right. And... I brought in someone from outside the golf world, Kevin Clark, to try to sort out exactly what to make of all of this. Um, Kevin writes for The Ringer. He is a prodigious podcaster. He, he covers the NFL, but he also covers Formula One. So I thought that his would be a fun perspective. So we'll get to that in a minute. But first, I want to just tell you about our friends at Radmore Golf. I'm currently wearing a sweet Radmore Drop Zone crew neck. I'm probably going to be wearing the same thing at next week's US Open. Radmore is a sustainable apparel startup based right here in Seattle. Friend and sponsor of the Drop Zone. Honestly, people have been raving about this stuff. Uh, you know, at a certain point it's going to be out there everywhere, so if you want to get on board while the band is still just, you know, playing local concerts, would highly recommend you head to radmoregolf.com. That's R-A-D-M-O-R golf.com. Enter code DROPZONE for 25% off at checkout, radmoregolf.com. I also want to tell you a little bit about Inside Golf. If you haven't heard about Inside Golf, it might just be the best deal in golf because they're basically just giving away money here at golf.com. Um, right now, it's just $20 a year. So 20 bucks a year. You get access to exclusive deals uh, from golf's partners. You get a subscription to Golf Magazine, which is worth more than 20 bucks just to begin with. Uh, you get access to insider-only content, including at the majors. You get an exclusive newsletter. You get an exclusive preview video show. Uh, there's branded stuff. Like It's hard to even tell you how much stuff comes with this thing because it's just like it's like stealing. Um, so yeah, head to golf.com slash inside drop zone. That's, uh, that's where you can get your $20 deal for a year of inside golf and just a whole bunch of free stuff. It literally pays for itself. And then a whole bunch more golf.com slash inside drop zone. All right, Kevin Clark in a minute, uh, who knows what other news will have dropped by the time this podcast actually comes out on Thursday morning, but this was a fun chat. Uh, Kevin's a very engaging guy. Uh, he had some good perspective on, you know, players, their, their comparisons to F1 drivers. If you're not an F1 fan, I think that, uh, he talks about it in a way that's still extremely accessible. Um, I'm excited about this. I'm, I'm uncertain and intrigued and, uh, confused by a lot of what's happening in professional golf right now. I'm Really curious about the PGA Tour's next move, about what the major championships may or may not do in response. Uh, I'm certainly, you know, trying to get people on the horn, bringing you exclusive news on the drop zone. Uh, and Sean is there in person. He's in London at Centurion Club this week. So on Sunday, we are going to have a 
pretty epic recap podcast where he runs through his entire week um, on site. So lots more to look forward to. Appreciate you tuning in. Here's Kevin Clark. All right, folks, next up in the drop zone, longtime kind of friend from afar of the show, uh, senior writer for The Ringer, formerly covering football, now covering Formula One and occasionally golf and pretty much everything under the sun. Mr. Kevin Clark, thanks for being here. My bosses would be surprised to find out I no longer cover the NFL. Um, no, it, it's, <laughs> I used to do 100% NFL and now it's about 80% and I did not expect the 20% maybe four years ago, if you said the 20% was going to be Formula One racing, I'd probably have some follow-up questions on that one. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I, I think most known for your NFL coverage, but your Formula One off-season coverage <laughs> is certainly rising in terms of profile. It's uh, very surprising. Well, Kevin, when, when you agreed to do this and when I asked you to come on, I was really hoping for kind of a fun exchange back and forth, sure. uh, comparing drivers to golfers, you yeah. know, asking for some, uh, for some fun crossover ideas maybe, but now we are fully immersed in a professional golf takeover. Um, there is a, a brand new league that everyone listening already, already knows about, but live is coming <laughs> for golf. And now the parallels between golf and formula one are getting all that much more intriguing. So Hopefully we can we can do a little bit of the fun stuff and a little bit of the strange uh, crossover stuff too. Yeah, no, I mean it's really incredible how quickly this all moved. Like I was talking to someone mm -hmm. in the sports space a week ago because someone made the comparison in auto racing to what happened to IndyCar with Kart, where they basically split off into two leagues. And I, I laughed it off, and so did the person that I was with. We both laughed it off, and now it seems like every day we're inching closer to that. Every hour, let alone every day. By the time this pod comes out, who the hell knows who's going to have signed <laughs> up for Portland? Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I'm curious from afar, like – you're you're a golf fan. Uh, you yeah. write about golf less than you know maybe six or seven other sports, but you're definitely paying attention. <laughs> What's your yeah. take on live? What's your feeling on this entire thing? It worries me for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's it, I, this is going to end up being worse for the fan. That 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 is. I, I don't see a path to it being better for the fan. And everything. And I, I tweeted the, this yesterday. And I got some heat from. There's this weird. People will defend anything, okay? Yes. I went at the Super League, and there, you know, in soccer, and people saying, "Oh, you never invest in a business. You don't know how to ex exert value. All this stuff." And it's just like you can find people on the internet who are not representative of anything, but they'll argue with you. And so, what I said yesterday on Twitter was the thing that worries me is what is Live offering? What is the alternative? What are they serving up? Are they going to make the product better? Um, are they going to make the game less dodgy and more accessible, which I think is the biggest problem with the sport. Um, and just you know, kind of some of the rules around it, how elitist it is. Cause from, from my perspective, as someone who golfs all the time, I'm a golf sicko. I've lost a lot of money gambling on golf over the past three years. Um, especially let's call it a decade, but over the last three years, I've intensified my bets on golf, which means I've lost more. Um, and I don't, I, I just don't feel like. If there was a product that was coming into our lives that was going to solve some of golf's problems, I'd say, hey, let's give it a shot. I think, I think it feeds its worst impulses, which is that it's probably going to make the game more elitist, um, more rules. Um, I mean, it, it's going to take some, not all. I mean, listen, it's, it's some, a lot of these guys are in their 40s, 37, whatever it is. Bryson is injured right now. Patrick Reed is Patrick Reed. It's not taking the absolute best from the game and removing them, but eventually it will. 
And so I have extreme long-term concerns about what happens here. Can this be compelling if these guys are able to go in all four majors and there's a sort of a WCW NWO thing going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. But the, the, my problem is there's not a lot of buzz on the week to week to begin with going into Wells Fargo, going into the Canadian open, going into what you know, the AT&T, whatever it is, there's not enough buzz on a week to week basis. There's certainly not going to be enough buzz to spread around on two different tours. So you're really making it a four tournament a year sport, which it already was to most people. But at some point it, it becomes that to us too. And I, I, I'll watch anything. I mean, like I'm a golf channel power watcher and I don't know how my life is going to change. And, and listen, I, I understand these guys want to, you know, guaranteed cash and all that stuff. And if you're Phil, I understand why you'd want to take 125 million dollars at age 50 um but i just don't i just don't know where this product is going dylan yeah it's funny i do want to just circle back on that one bit which is like the the athlete defender at all costs guy because yeah he's really rallying to the defense of of all these live league guys now and it's such an interesting instinct to me because you know people will come at well, I don't know me, but everyone, if you sort of say something to the contrary, um, about, Oh, you're defending the PGA tour or whatever. Yeah. I, I certainly don't think, well, I'm definitely not. And I don't think anyone else is defending the PGA tour as a perfect product, but I think no. that there's a lot of room between that and seeing this as like the answer going forward. A hundred percent. And I'd actually say it's not the people who defend the athlete all the time. I don't think it's that genre of person. I think it's the, like, this is, let me tell you how the world works guy. Have you met this guy on the internet? (laughs) This also happened a little bit with, with the Deshaun Watson thing when he was Mm. first traded. And I said, listen, this is, this is reckless. This is stupid. Nobody should have done this. And it's the same guy in my mention saying, let me tell you how leverage in football works in business. And I'm like, well, okay, I know how leverage works. I know that a, a, a young quarterback is is a, a certain type of commodity that teams will sell out for. Like, it's the same type of person who wants to explain things in your mentions about, hey, let me tell you something. These guys are going for $125 million, and that rules all. Thanks, bro. Yeah, thank you for the insight that cash is king. You're the f- I'm so glad you're in my mentions right now <laughs> explaining to me that these guys are doing it for the money and to feed their families. I, I'll put feed their families in, in quotes, obviously. But like, it's this, this genre of person who feels the need to, to uh, think that they are the only person who's cracked the case on why Live Golf is attracting these people and wants you to know about it if you have any reservations whatsoever on the product. I want your advice on, uh, <laughs> on, on, well, a couple things. I, we, we're going to fix the PGA tour, but we're going to get to that in a little bit. Okay. First, I am interested in your perspective on the Saudi influence in golf and yeah. how formula one perceives that, uh, deals with it. And I guess how, how formula one fans cope with it also. Yeah. Formula one fans in general do not like it. Uh, it's a little different because, the drivers didn't sign up for it. And the drivers are the people that most fans identify with, unless you're a weird Toto Wolf or Christian Horner fan, which, by the way, I was in Miami in the paddock. They exist. I, I, I like Toto Wolf, but I, I'm going to go ahead and identify with drivers like George Russell yeah. and Seb Vettel and Lewis Hamilton before that. Um, a lot of the drivers have spoken up about how they don't, they don't like the Saudi connection and Lewis Hamilton being among them. I would say the difference is... Uh, a, they, don't, they, they didn't opt in to this. Um, F1 did. And also, this year, there was, in Saudi Arabia, I don't know how familiar you are with it, um, there yep. was a, a missile strike about a couple of miles away from the track where overnight, I think it was on Friday night, 
um, it was before between the second and third practice. They had a meeting and they said half the half the grid said we don't want to do this. And part of the problem was they couldn't leave. Um, and there's some. So back and forth on whether or not they couldn't leave because the Saudis didn't want them to leave or because there's just not a lot of flights out of Jeddah. Yeah. Um, I'm the guy that like, only saw the first tweet on that story, yeah, which yeah. was that, so I actually don't know how that resolved. So you'll have to tell me. It seemed to be overblown is what I would say about that. I think it was more about like maybe Lewis Hamilton and George Russell could have gotten a private jet out. But if you're the, if you're the strategist at Mercedes, it would have been harder for you to get out. But I don't think there was any looming threat over anybody. I think it was more of a logistics thing. But F1s, Ross Braun, Domenicali, all those guys convinced them to race. Nobody was happy about it. Lewis Hampton said, I just want to go home. Um, so in a weird way, F1 is the bad cop, the actual governing body. And the drivers are, are the good cop. Um, and they, they have said... We don't want to do this. You know, a big thing, and I've seen people talk about this and write about this, Seb Vettel, who is the most progressive driver, was not mm-hmm. in Jeddah because of um, he had COVID. And he was – I think there are people who think that there's an alternate reality in which if he's there, he rallies them not to race. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a guy – he showed up in Miami and wore – uh, a shirt that said Miami Grand Prix 2060, the first Grand Prix underwater. Like he's an activist. He's like a full blown activist in a way that I don't think the sport is uh, used to. I think they're comfortable with it because it's it, it's, it hasn't changed anything at this point. Uh, as as far as you know, he hasn't he hasn't uh, rallied the drivers to do a thing like a boycott of Saudi Arabia or whatever. Um, but. What he's doing is, is, is kind of amazing, drawing attention in different causes. Um, he actually went, when he was in Miami, he went to Carroll City Middle School and High School just because he wanted to hang out with, with kids um, in a city like Miami. And mm-hmm. so um, he wasn't there. And so I think that you're going to see now kind of what we're talking about with Lewis and Seb. There's going to have to be elder statesmen in golf. And we've already seen some of it who say, no. I'm not doing this and I'm going to stay on the PGA tour. And we've seen this with John Brom. We've seen this with Roy McIlroy. And I just wonder how influential those voices are going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, how much those voices can keep the sport, the, the, the PGA tour together when things start going South. And when Kevin Na starts making millions of dollars and starts making more than Colin Morikawa or some, you know, a guy who, who, who should be a top five player in the world and, and, and is not being paid like it relative to the live golf tour. That's when I want to see what kind of influence those guys have and how much, I don't know, cachet the PGA tour has by saying, Hey, we have, you know, if you want to play the memorial, uh, you stick with us. Like, I don't know if that's a selling point. Yeah. Well, I think that judging off comments that the guys in London have made, these guys are prepared to just be suspended. They are. Yeah. I think if they're suspended from the PGA Tour, they're kind of like fine, which, <laughs> which is not really a future that the PGA tour seems like it was fully prepared for. Like, it seems like they got flat footed, even though this thing has been coming for multiple years and then got derailed, it got back on the tracks kind of more fast and furious than ever. It's fascinating because it reminds me more of the super league in Mm. soccer than the NFL, excuse me, than F1. Um, I I got my coverage areas mixed up. Um, A lot of times, I know, dude, I swear to you, like half the time I say this is the Ringer F1 show, I accidentally say the Ringer NFL show all the time, (laughs) all the time. Um, Just muscle memory at this point. Um, It reminds me a little more of the Super League. And what happened to the Super League is they got shamed and bullied by their own fans 
out of doing it. Chelsea's fans literally blocked a bus that had the players on it. And mm-hmm. Peter Cech, who was a team legend who's now in the, in the front office, had to go down there and say, we're working on it. And basically admitted to them, like, we're unwinding ourselves from this. PGA Tour pros or live tour pros now don't have a fan base that's going to literally take to the streets. That's the difference. Yes. They, it seems to me they can't be pressured or bullied by sponsors because they don't seem to care. The, the, the sponsors are already off the shirts in most cases. The money more than makes up for it with Liv. Um, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing that I'd watch out for, and I, I think the people have, have talked about this before, like how, how committed are the Saudis to this? Like how committed mm-hmm. is, are they long-term? If you're Kevin Na and you're young enough to at least play, you know, years left on the on the PGA Tour. And I don't know why I brought up Kevin yeah. Na here twice, but he's, you know, Ian Poulter, somebody like that, who at least had, he's not 50, right? Um, but he's not 20, but he's not 50. And by the way, Ian Poulter was at the F1 race with Bubba Watson. Um, That's other, right. In, in yep. Miami. Um, it was hit. It was Bubba, Bubba Watson, uh, Ian Poulter, and Pharrell were in a little group after the race, just, just, <laughs> just hanging out. Naturally. Uh, and it, yeah, of course, the big three, as I call them. Um, but I, I just don't know where this goes, and I just don't know. The only thing I can see is if there's just no interest whatsoever, there's no crowds, there's no TV deals, and the Saudis just say whatever. And this gets back to what? why are they here? What, what are they doing? It reminds yeah. me a little bit of, 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 of in politics. A lot of times people say that they'll ask if they're an advisor or a, a, a body person, they'll say, hey, to a candidate, why are you running? Why are you running? And it's always instructive because sometimes they're running just for the sake of running. It seems like something to do. Right. And when you're starting anything, any new venture, whether that's a golf league or whether that's a textile company, like if you're not passionate about what you're doing, I don't, I don't know how long you stick to it. I don't know how long you stick to it. If you're, if you're bored or, or, or it starts, starts not going well, and I'm sure they're paying cash. And I'm sure it's up front and all that stuff. I just worry like, in three years, what if the Saudis are just like, this is not really working, and like, you guys have your money, but like, and you know, we're just not going to do this anymore. We're not going to rent out Trump Doral anymore. Yeah, well, I think that's why this early momentum matters so much, is because, look, yeah, these guys have a longer runway, I would imagine, than than your typical investor, than your typical whatever VC firm, but. At a certain point, everyone wants to return. We had Mike Wan on right. here the other day. He was the head of the USGA. Uh-huh. And, and he was skeptical for exactly that reason. He said, look, I've seen 100 proposals come through about people that are going to disrupt golf and change the game. And maybe this is the one, but they have no revenue stream. They have no TV deal. They currently have kind of nothing come in unless you're talking about Fireballs yes. merch. Um, but <laughs> Crushers. I'm a Crushers fan. Big, big cru- Crushers. Is, is it Crush or sma- Smashers? Sma- I get, I get them confused. They're I like haven't the honestly. The I just, I have not committed so the the uh, live teams to and logos to memory just yet. But, but it reminds me a little bit of what we're talking about when uh, the Chinese soccer league a couple of years ago started to buy all of these players for ten, twelve million dollars. Yes, really legitimate players taking guys from Chelsea. There was a guy who was going to transfer to Liverpool at one point. I think he was from Belgium um, who ended up there. I went to a game when I was in Beijing a couple of years ago. Strangest experience I've ever been to in my life. There were like three thousand people in the sixty thousand seat stadium. Andre Villas-Boas, who was the Tottenham manager, the Chelsea manager, he was managing the team. Had no idea why he was there. Hulk was playing. Oscar was playing. He had just played for Chelsea the year before. And and there were all of these things. And it's kind of like what we're talking about, where they astroturfed this, this league and, and kind of faked this interest. And people got paid, and people's lives changed, and, and the, many people got additions to their house and all that stuff. Congratulations to them. But eventually, they just 
that was it. There was a ceiling to it because there was no there there. And it was funny because I remember reading around that time, Arsene Wenger was asked about it because, you know, the top teams were losing guys to China. And this is, I guess, 2014, something like that, 2015. And Arsene said, you know, I was a manager in Japan and they did this in the early 90s and then it just, it just burned out. And then China burned out. And, and it just seems like there are certain... And we, somebody said to me on Twitter the other day, you know, ideas backed by billions don't just go away. Well, yes, they do. It, it's not the money that runs out. It's the attention span that runs out with the people with the purse strings. And so, again, I'm not ruling out the idea that Live Golf has a successful 20-year run and, and knocks the PGA off its perch. I'm just saying that there's, there's a lot of test cases here where people sinking money in for the sake of growing something uh, it, it is, is in no way a guarantee of success. All right, so I want to get your take then on on the PGA Tour's response, which, well, first of all, do you think that the PGA Tour needs to respond? Do they need to change their model in any way, or can they just, you know, take the high road and have Rory say, I'm happy here, and then go about their daily business? No, they need to respond. They need to suspend these guys. If I, if I ran the PGA Tour, mm-hmm. I'd suspend these guys for years, and I would do everything I could to try to get uh, these guys banned from majors. Um, and mm-hmm. it seems like I, I, you know, more than me on this one, it seems like the British open, it's going to be hard to do because some of, some of the laws, is that right? Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and the U S open is open. So that the U S open too. is going to stay open for this year. Yep. At least they left the wording a little bit open-ended on, sure. you know, down the road. It'd be hard for them to change the rules yep. in, in a week. And then, the PGA seems like it'd be pretty easy for to ban the guys from the PGA if you are yeah. the PGA. I know the PGA if they wanted the PGA to, of they America could. Are different. Yeah. I know there are different entities, but they could. And then the Masters is the Masters, and and that I think that's the biggest question. Would you take? Let's say it's an extra twenty five million dollars over a decade. Would you take an extra twenty five million dollars a year over playing Augusta every single year? I, yeah. I bet there's guys who would think long and hard. And can you make up that $25 million with a couple of, of sponsors? Or, yeah. or, or, you know, you just think about that as, as the biggest question. I don't know. Do you know how, whether where Augusta's leaning? Uh, I mean, the, the official word is that it's way too early for them to say. There have been rumors <laughs> floating around. But, you know, they, they don't have a tournament for 10 months. So my guess is they are not committing to anything right now. And also, when they do commit, we're just not going to know about it. They're just going to send the invitations <laughs> yeah. out, and and we're gonna we're gonna find out two weeks in advance by a tweet from you or, or yeah, like that's interesting. Charles Schwartzel didn't get one this yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just gonna be they're gonna be like, oh no, we invited we're, we're a private club. We invited who we invited. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it it's gonna be really fascinating to see. Um, I don't know. I mean, par- part of the problem I have with the response is that a lot of the things the PGA Tour needed to grow. Mm-hmm. I, like the Netflix reality show is a good example are actually annoying on the combatants, right? On, on Rory or mm. Brooks. And I think Brooks actually quite likes the Netflix show from, from what I'm hearing, but like yeah. it is, you know, it, it's more access. It's more heightening of the drama, all of that stuff. And so in a weird way, it worries me because I think golf needed to do things, um, push for a more open environment, all of these things that uh, maybe, golfers can push back on now that they have leverage. And I don't know what Rory, you know, I, that, that insane quote from Phil about a once in a lifetime way to change how the PGA operates. I don't know what these guys want. I don't know what they want to exert aside from money. And the, and the pip was obviously a step in that right direction. I don't know. I don't know what is on their wish list. Do you? 
I think that that's the problem. They don't know what they want. And they, you know, whenever guys have been asked specifically, like, okay, what would you change about the PGA Tour? They never really have a good answer. I think ultimately what Liv could be showing is that what these guys do want is to be treated more like F1 drivers. And that's partly, I think, the where the comparison gets interesting is I think the PGA Tour could have gotten out ahead of this and focused our attention on a smaller number of events. Um, mm-hmm. And essentially, I think that professional golf's biggest issue is that no one knows what's supposed to be important. Other than the four right. major championships, it's not actually super clear when you're supposed to tune in and when you're not. And so right. by missing the, ch- I think that the PGA tour, I think this should still be their response is to take the four majors and then, you know, add in maybe it's 10 or 12 events of their own. You've got the invitationals, you know, Memorial Genesis Bay Hill. You've got the players, you've got a few others, you've got a few other events outside the States that you could really elevate in this similar way and treat these guys yeah like princes and find more money between the couch cushions somewhere. And, and, you know, you, you're not going to match that upfront Saudi money, but you could certainly elevate these events so that fans know when they should be paying attention. And then they feel like a bigger deal as a result. Yeah. And I think that the Netflix show is probably a step in the right direction. You can't replicate Mm -hmm. what you had with F1. It's funny. I met with a guy uh, recently from another sport and I was basically saying like, you know, Everyone thinks that the the Netflix show is is sort of a cure all, and by the time that the the golf one comes out, the a tennis one will be either out or <laughs> right. almost out. Every sport is trying to do this, yeah. and it's a lot of it, a lot of it. By the way, I mean it's not like all the leagues are stupid. Like they saw the F one thing. It's just that a lot of athletes and coaches and owners just don't want to do it because it's really invasive. Yeah. And I think you can tell the story of the PGA Tour in a really interesting way, Dylan, and like. I, I think that the broadcast sometimes does a really good job with storytelling, but not nearly enough. Like I, I have to be honest with you. I am a, I'm probably a 1% of just the frequency of how much I gamble. I don't know a ton about someone like Sam Burns. I really don't. And part yeah. of that is because I've been t- wrapped up with stuff, but like, I think there's other sports where formula one turned all of its drivers into TV characters. And that's why that that's the lesson. It starts there is that people care about Lance Stroll because they've watched an hour of who Lance Stroll is, even if you don't like him, you want to see how he's doing because to millions of people who watch that show, Lance Stroll is a TV character. And what's interesting to me is there's a healthy tension in F1 between the teammates that you cannot replicate in golf. Mm-hmm. And that was something a TV executive said to me a couple of years ago when we were talking about golf because everyone had mentioned that golf was was kind of same kind of thing. You know, golf and F1 are both at its basic level travel shows. Like, hey, look, they're in, uh, they're yeah. in Hawaii this week in January. I'd like yep. to be in Hawaii. Like, same deal. Hey, they're in Barcelona. I would love to be in Barcelona right now. It's the same sort of conversion there. But there's an inherent, you know, there's so much insecurity because of the teammate thing, because you have one other person who has your exact equipment. And the, the analogy I always use is if you could have Jimmy Garoppolo run the 49ers offense and Trey Lance run the 49ers offense with the exact same set of variables, one of them's going to be better. And the second one's going to have to make excuses. And that's how the Netflix show has its development. And it's funny because I wrote a piece about the Brooks and Bryson rivalry last year, and I'm going to recycle this point here. The problem is there's no real golf rivalries because golfers you and i we just hate ourselves out there right like we're not we don't we have yeah. no idea what's going on with the guy next to us everyone's always like no one cares what you shoot that is 100 percent true with me because i'm just grappling with my own demons out there and my grip and all of the you know my putting is all i'm always always too too strong on the putts whatever 
So when I think about how to tell the story, it's not in isolated cases, it would be Brooks and Bryson, but 90% of the time it's Tringali versus Tringali. It's how, what's, what's going on with him? Conversations with his caddy. Is he going to make the cut? There's a let the cut thing. And the fact that live golf doesn't have a cut, I think is probably speaks to all of this kind of like the super league, right? Um, where it's, 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 uh, it's foolproof. Right. And yeah. I think you can, you can tell the story. One thing F1 is really good at is the eighth versus ninth place on the grid. Mm-hmm. If they're showing yes. that battle, somehow it matters. You're invested in it. You're mm-hmm. invested in it. And if, I'm, you know, I'm trying to think of somebody on the on the on the cut line uh, every single week. But you know, someone like uh, you know Hubbard, you know, our our, our colleague, uh, our Carl and Nathan's brother, Mark Hubbard. Yeah. Um, if you show what's going on all the time with someone like Mark Hubbard, who the difference between him making the cut and not making the cut is long term security on the tour. Um, you know, I, I think it's outdated now. I used to, I, I remember reading something years ago that if you, if you missed the cut, you flew commercial. If you, if you made the cut, you fly private. <laughs> I think they all pretty much fly private at this point. Um, but like you think about the difference in a guy like that's life when he makes the cut at a big event versus when he doesn't, or when he T tens and, and versus when, when he, you know, shoots six over and it's over. Um, those sort of stories, I think getting F1 made everybody invested in the entire grid. And I think the PGA tour, if they want to grow the game, needs to get everybody invested in the entire field. And I wonder if that then means if Liv is onto something with then making that field smaller, because 20 F1 drivers, you can get your head around 156 guys in every field. And some weeks the bottom 60 are cycling in and out. And like, do you need the appeal of 156 guys to make a PGA tour event what it is? 156 is too much. And this is something that I think a lot of people harped on. The no laying up guys have harped on this. Like some of these injury exemptions where these guys are hanging on for four years past the time they should have lost their tour. Like I think they need mm-hmm. to be a little more uh, judicious and work guys in, work young guys in specifically uh, at, at a much faster clip. I think I, I don't think the problem is the 150. I think the problem is the storytelling drops off after about yeah. guy seven. You know, uh, like I don't, there's just, a, there's some really good golfers right now in the world who I just don't think uh, people pay attention to. And you think about the number of basketball players who were legitimate box office stars. It's, I don't know, 15, 20, 25 deep. And in golf, I feel like they got so, and this is, I'm not the first person to think about this, but you know, they, it's it was a tiger centric sport for so long that I feel yeah. like everybody got a little bit lazy on some of this other stuff, and you know so I'm glad I just saw Billy Horschel's on Pat McAfee like good exactly like yeah, those yeah. guys should be That's someone point. like Billy Horschel who's 11th in the world should be on Pat McAfee he should be doing. Um, those sort of media hits I mean that's a problem with NASCAR in my opinion is like I'll watch a race and see, you know, Ross Chastain and Denny Hamlin got in some big fight last week. Well, I don't really know anything about Ross Chastain. I don't know anything about him. And so like, that's my problem is you see these guys who are the young stars of the sport and I just don't see them anywhere and doing anything. And yeah. so I don't, I, I, the 150 to me, like I, I'm looking right now. Um, it's funny. Well, Ian Poulter's 92nd. I'm just, uh, it's, it's funny that, that, uh, that he's, I'm looking at like the, the 150 best golfer in the world. And it's people that on, on a good day, I mean, Matt Wallace, Ricky Fowler's 145, Danny yeah. Willett's 142. Um, I mean, on a good Dylan Fratelli's 135, like Jason Day's 132. Um, but 
on a good day, I can, I can care about these guys. It's up to the sport to sell itself with these guys. So I don't think, I don't think shortening the field will do anything. I, I, I'm not, I don't hate the idea of, of a shorter broadcast window, but part of that's just survival because nobody's going to put live golf on for, for nine hours. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that makes sense. Um, who's the Max Verstappen of golf? Is there one? <laughs> Well, I mean, it depends where you're going with that because Max was, was earmarked for greatness at a young age. His dad is still giving interviews to maxverstappen.com where he's complaining that n- nothing, <laughs> nothing favors him. Um, he's a bit of a lunatic. He's super over-aggressive. I'm trying to think. Um, is there someone who's just like way too competitive for his own good out there? I mean, the problem is that he's like also so good. So that's where yes. maybe like some of the obvious comparisons fall off a little bit. There's nobody like him at the very, very top of the sport. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, like maybe anger issues era John Rom. Mm-hmm. A little bit sure. would be a little bit analogous, but then he got his perspective once he had kids. Well, once Max yeah, gets but kids, he's gonna be he almost he's gonna be gliding around the track. He almost hit the microphone lady with his phone oh, yeah. club last week. So I, th- I think that that's probably about as close as you're going to get um, because he's still, you know, some people would still say he's the best golfer in the world. Scotty Scheffler would beg to differ, but uh, Scotty is definitely not Max Verstappen. Uh, is, Lewis, not def- is Lewis Tiger Woods? You know, it's interesting. Not, yes, from the dominant side of it. So, mm-hmm. so the first let's say 10 years of Lewis's career, he's Tiger Woods. From the amount of unbelievable, I was going to say casual racism, but not even, like some just direct racism in a lot of cases um, with with what Lewis had to face, and certainly with Tiger. I mean, that's obvious. They're going into a sport where oftentimes they were the only, I mean, I I don't even think, I, I I would doubt that Lewis, even coming up in you know F two and, and whatever, ever saw another um, black driver on the grid, and right. you know with with golf we know how how white the sport uh, is and was certainly when Tiger was coming up. So yes, and then the dominance, and then I think that something flipped and made them a little bit different in this regard. The last four years or so, and Lewis has always been an active. He's always been an activist, um, but. He's really flipped it in the last couple of years and has really taken stands on some huge, huge issues, um, whether that's Breonna Taylor, whether that is um, last year he went to the, the, the Met Gala and he, he brought a table that was only uh, designers of color. That was, that was, he wanted to go to the Met Gala, but he would only do it if he was able to bring designers of color and that, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So he became way more political in a way that Tiger has not. Um, I don't think Tiger has really ever made any, any political stance. And everyone's doing their own thing, and that's certainly not an indictment of it. But they, they, they had that split. Um, and it was funny because I was putting in for an interview request for a couple F1 drivers a couple months ago. And the person yeah. handling it said, you know, Lewis, I, 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 they said anybody but Lewis, okay? And I said, oh, is Lewis, like, a little too, too famous for this? And like, no, Lewis will talk to you. He just wants to talk about uh, in most cases, he, he really just wants to talk about life stuff and some of his activism and all that stuff. And I don't, I don't think there's anybody really, and obviously Lewis gives tons of interviews about F1. I'm just talking about from my, from the kind of general interest website thing that we do. Um, yeah. and I think that, uh, there's no one really like him in sports. 
And so, yes, he was like Tiger at the beginning of his career. The dominance and, and the way they approach it, just absolute machines, absolute, you know, like competitive, competitive to the point of, you know, Nico Rosberg was, was Lewis Ham, one of Lewis Hamilton's very good friends. They were on the same team and Lewis, you know, was so competitive and they crashed each other and all that stuff that they don't really even talk anymore. Like it's that type of level of competitiveness, which I think Tiger has. So yes, there's a ton of overlap between the two. <laughs> I like that. No, but also yes, but also Just different, partly. different buckets, different buckets. Totally. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Are there any crossover comparisons that you feel really good about? You think like, man, you know, that guy is really Checo Perez. Uh, I, I would put Daniel Ricardo and Ricky Fowler on oh, the, uh, on the same wavelength there, uh, including their recent form. If you've, if you've checked out, yes. I, although Daniel was okay a couple of years ago. Um, Ricky, it's been a, it's been a more steady downturn. Do you uh, think Ricky has Re- the same ability to kind of like win the Netflix show that Ricardo had at least like season one Ricardo had? Well, it depends. So Ricardo filled a void in that Ferrari and Mercedes did not participate. Right. Mm-hmm. So Netflix was just like, you know who we're going to make the best driver in the world. The Australian guy keeps taking his shirt off. So yeah. if, if Scotty Scheffler is a dud on this show and John Rahm is a dud and Colin Morikawa is a dud, and Brooks isn't what we think he's going to be, then yeah, Ricky, they can just, Netflix is very good at pretending people don't exist. <laughs> and they can, if you don't think they can create Ricky Fowler into like an absolute golf superstar, just watch, just watch. Yeah. So yes, I do think that they have that capability. <laughs> oh man. Um, I'm trying to think of like George Russell. We, I was talking to Luke Curdenine, mm. one of my coworkers. He feels like a like Justin Rose, but maybe you know, like 15 years ago or whatever. But um, I really want there to be a perfect British comparison for him. I'm just not quite sure it's there. I don't think it has to be British necessarily, right? Like, who's the best young Brit right now? Uh, I mean, Tyrrell Hatton's not young. Tyrell Sam Hatton. Horsfield is now left for the uh, the Super League, but he's good. <laughs> I mean, I don't Matt, – Matt Fitzpatrick, Matt F- I guess. Matt Fitzpatrick was my thought. Matt Fitzpatrick was my thought, yeah. Um, but yeah. Russell's just so polished. You don't necessarily, like, find that in every golfer. Can we throw Will Zaltoris out there? Oh, Could sure, be, yeah. yeah. I know I know that he's not English. I'm just saying for the, the way he arrived in the sport, um, tons, of, tons of hype despite – I mean, they're mm-hmm. similar in that, that Russell was getting results in the lower tiers, and then he gets to Williams – and we know he's good. He's just not w- out there winning yeah. big things. But we knew he was a superstar before he was playing like a superstar. Does that make sense? He was he was he was destined for greatness before the greatness came. I think, and then he showed up ready to go. Yes, absolutely. Just like from day one in that Mercedes, saw Taurus last year at the uh, at the at Augusta. Like these guys are ready for success. Does Rory have a natural comparison? Because I think he has now become like the face of the PGA tour. Yeah. Um, maybe his best days of major championship player behind him, but yeah. does he have a, a natural crossover? Easiest, easiest one, easiest one. Do you know, do you know who I'm going to say? Um, it, is it, uh, wait it's a minute. Sebastian Vettel. It's okay. Sebastian it is. Vettel. All right. It is Vettel. by a yeah. wide margin. Yeah. So Sebastian Vettel wins the world championship at age 23. He wins yep. in 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013. Oh, my God. Yeah. At that point, at that point, 
he had the best car in the world, and we didn't know what kind of guy he was. Yeah. Just, we just didn't know. I'm like, it, it was just a young guy. And as his career progressed, he became more outspoken, more interesting. The type mm-hmm. of guy, I was, I was listening to a podcast interview with him last week, where they're talking about how he would go on hikes on Saturday of before a race. Just like literally, not, not like walking yeah. around, you know, go, go into Westchester County and walking around a little trail. I'm talking like mountains on a Saturday. <laughs> and, um, and, and he also didn't have, he was close, but he never had that success like he did when he was young. And so he became more and more introspective. I think that the interviews that Rory's given about working with a sports psychologist and um, some of the issues that he's gone through, uh, I don't think Seb Vettel is that level of introspective because I think that he he processes it differently. But yeah. I think that the way Seb Vettel talks about his career as it's happening, I mean, he's 34 years old right now, but this could be his last year because I think he just wants to go hang out with his family, um, which I, I think Rory loves hanging out with the family, but I don't think he's going to quit. Um, but he goes to Ferrari. Everybody thinks he's going to be a super-duper star. It never really happens. He never gets the success he did from 2010 to 2014. And he just becomes this voice of the game as he got older. And I think that you, the, the comparisons to Rory are uh, pretty much endless at this point. I really like that because I think, well, I, I guess I hope that Rory still has a little bit more than in the tank than what Vettel's like, you know, 15th yes. in the driver's uh, standings right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Aston Martin maybe doesn't quite have the same fire firepower that Rory's currently working with. I don't know. Um, That's right. But, I I do like that comparison of sort of like the aging, the guys that are actually getting perspective and hoping to stay still at the top of the game. Um, and, and possibly showing that like, as you become a more interesting person, maybe you become a, uh, worse athlete potentially, at least as an individual performer. (laughs) I don't know what the exact correlation is there. Uh, but I think there's something to that. I mean, I think that you, I think as you age, it depends on the sport, but I think that if you have, I, I think there's a lot of successful athletes who have a ton of interests, right? But I do think that as when you're 31, 32, you're not going to sit there and say, all right, I'm going to just sit here and practice my craft, whatever it is, whether it's hockey, you're not going to say, I'm going to do this 20 hours a day of other things in your life. And so it's not a surprise that some of these guys lose their edge um, when they get more perspective on life. I mean, like, these guys also have hundreds mm-hmm. of millions yeah. of dollars. Like that's good too. That's nice to spend too. Um, so you, you can never take the human element out of it. Are there any golfers that are as cool as Carlos Sainz? Well, Carlos Sainz is himself a golfer. Yes. And, and a pretty good, and also Lando Norris is too. All right. So fun um, fact, I, we did a, we did a thing golf magazine helped put on a pro-am, uh, at Austin in, I guess, 2019. And I went down to, yeah play the pro-am and never didn't know anything about f1 had never you know watched a race nothing played nine holes with carlos signs it's like oh yeah this, this guy seems nice and you know everyone <laughs> everyone was like flirting with him every like every okay. every person yeah, that yeah. was just on site was just like so taken yeah. by his energy it was like you know ma- this guy's ma- got male or female male yeah. or female yeah age yep. whatever um and he just he had an extremely magnetic personality and that was my only real takeaway and then i was like I guess this guy's pretty good at driving too. Um, so it wasn't until <laughs> later told, that I realized what was happening, but nice golf swing. Someone told me that, uh, he, that Lando, when he got to Miami, I didn't see this and I'm, I, I would have signal boosted if I could actually said 
does anybody have a game I can join because oh. I'm free? Yeah. Or whatever it was, Wednesday or whatever. And I, uh, hopefully he was taken care of by the golf community of Miami. I have a feeling he was. I think that he was. I think there was some golf shoot that was going on that week. There was something with Brady and Hamilton going on. Well, that on. was the IWC thing. Yeah, that was the – and Marcus Allen was the third. That was the IWC thing at uh, Miami Beach. I think he was – hopefully we got him on like – I think Lando's the kind of guy that would drive north to Palm Beach County and, and maybe even – you know, enjoy some of the, the, the finest courses in America there. Sure. Dabble in, maybe hop in like Justin Thomas's game or something. All right. So sure. your comparison for Carlos Sainz is just Carlos the golfer. Is Carlos the golfer? <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, like, there's not anybody, you know, for, I'll say this, uh, there's no one, even though they're always out in the sun, remarkably bad tans mm. on the, uh, no one, is, no one's skin is as glowing as Carlos's. Did you have um, a feeling on Phil Mickelson's appearance uh, on the red carpet? <laughs> uh, if there's anybody who needed cash quickly, it's a guy who looks like that. <laughs> is what I'll say about that. It, it all it all seems to to, to 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 it all it all goes together. It dovetails well, is what I'll say. The look yeah, yeah. and the actions dovetail well. Um, the Carl, but what I will say the Carlos Sainz thing. The problem is he's also just like kind of. As a driver, it's not going all that well. So mm-hmm. it's hard for me. Like some of these more reserved guys who are really cool. I think Colin Morikawa is super cool. I'd yeah. love to hang out with Colin Morikawa. But Colin Morikawa is better at golf than Carlos Sainz is at driving. So it's a little bit It's a little bit different in that regard. I was thinking like maybe a, a slightly younger Adam Scott. Someone just who sort of yeah. seems to have super like dignified. life super figured dignified. out. Yeah. Like would look, would look at home you know, in the north of Italy, like tipping back a glass of red wine and and kind of gazing out on his family estate. But, uh, and then, you know, has all the tools to perform, but doesn't necessarily max out his potential. That's, that's it. That's it. Absolutely great one. Just like above it all, going to make tons of money, have an amazing life. Like you want to hang out, you want to see his off days kind of thing more than you actually want to see him compete. That kind of thing. Yes. Is there anyone that's emerging uh, with a surprise photo lying in a stream, butt cheeks to the sky, like uh, (laughs) Mr. Bottas, who, uh, is there any comparison to the golf world there? Okay, so this is interesting because there's a couple of of ways to spin this. So Bottas was overshadowed by his teammate significantly. Yes. And has now found a home in the sun in in a really interesting way um he's at alpha and he's not at mercedes anymore he's not going to win the drivers the world constructors championship anymore he's not going to threaten to win races anymore and he seems a million times happier a million times interesting and 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 i'm wondering is there someone who is maybe not in the mix anymore Mm. whose life seems to have gotten better maybe they went from 10th in the world to 40th in the world and it just seems like Everything is going, is going well for them. I don't. I, I actually don't know who, who necessarily this is. that could be. Yeah, I don't know. This sounds I mean, like I'm a nice at- life, to be honest. I mean, maybe this is someone that has just sidled off to the. It's not quite someone that sidled off to the Champions Tour, I guess. Um, but it's someone who's still enjoying life, oh, even though they're not winning. It's not. It's not Bernard Longer. This is not a Bernard Longer situation. No, it's not. Um, no, no, it's, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think I mean, I'm just looking at like the middle, the middle sector of the world golf rankings. Yeah. Like it's interesting. I, mean, I thought Shane, at first Shane, you were going Shane to like, Lowry, a, yeah, but he, you know, he's playing like British. some of his best golf, but yeah, I know. know. 
but I guess it's all gravy now and he's not necessarily actually winning. Um, I, I, I went all in on Shane Lowry last week and uh, it went just okay. I'll say who that. Have you lost, I mean. Who have you lost the most money gambling on in the golf world? Who have I lost the most money gambling on? Well, I've actually won the most money on Shane Lowry. I told the story on the Shotgun Start a couple of years ago. I have uh, I, I, I use my gambling money to grow the game. So every time I win substantial amounts of money, I just put it into lessons and clubs. Mm. I just don't, I, I, even though You're even though my wins, all of my wins, all they probably do is cover my losses. But I don't see it that way. I see it as found money, and so I'm like, well, I'll just golf gave this money to me. I'll give it into golf. So it's and then I invest my own money into into actually gambling. <laughs> so it's incredibly stupid. Um, who have I lost? I mean, I, absolutely Hideki pulling out. Um, oh. at, yeah, a couple uh, at, uh, at the players mm-hmm. was such a massive disaster for me because I, all I care about is, there's a couple of different metrics that I look at and, you know, ball striking being by far the, the number one. And then a couple of things after that, depending on the course. Um, but ball striking and, and maybe a little bit off the tee is what I go for. And Hideki always seems to find his way onto my card in some way. Mm-hmm. And the way that that course was set up and the way he was playing, it was like, I, I think there's probably been like less than five better fits yeah. that I've ever seen for a gambling guy. And there was that report that maybe there was a Japanese reporter who said that his back was feeling bad. And I didn't see that until like that morning. Mm. And like 10 minutes later he pulled out. And I mean, I can't, I can't believe I can afford rent at this point after that. <laughs> that was a tough one. To oh run. no. Got you all sorts of different ways, it sounds like. This is not good. That was tough. Is Yuki Sonoda Tyrrell Hatton? <laughs> well, um, wow. So he so he he is young. He has tons of, of, of uh promise, mm-hmm. but then he seems a little bit immature. Maybe he speaks Maybe his press conferences, he's a little unguarded, um, and he's got he's very raw. I would not – like maybe two years ago, Victor Hovland, somebody oh. like that. Interesting. Where, you know, Victor Hovland, I remember him giving a press conference talking about how he drives to tournaments listening to Joe Rogan and chugging Monster Energy. <laughs> like yeah. if, you're, if you're telling me that there's an there's a, a F1 driver who is currently dr- chugging Monster Energy driving from race to race, I'm mm-hmm. putting Yuki Tsunoda in that number one spot. Yeah, that definitely checks out. Hovland was, and I think still is, like a hardcore heavy metal guy. So I think he, yeah. I mean, early pandemic, he was just cruising from like, you know, Texas to North Carolina to Detroit, like just one <laughs> after the next, just hyped up on caffeine and, and youth. Uh, so maybe that's Yuki. I think Hovland has now found a, a love for exercise that maybe Yuki is slowly coming to also, but uh, I think Victor's probably a little bit ahead in that regard. He's got, he's got some catching up to do, but he'll get there. <laughs> Yuki will get there. Um, all right. Are there any other comparisons that you want to share? Do you have a, a little draft board over there? Um, let, let me, let, let, let me look. I can um, feed you some names also here, but yeah. Like, I mean, is, like, I, I'm is sure, there I'm a Charles? Look- yeah. Yeah. No, that, that was, that was my next one. It's interesting because Charles seems he was born in Monaco, right? Kind of a cradle of the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know much about the sort of the Jules Bianchi story, where 
basically he he Jules was 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 rumored to be the next Ferrari driver, and then he, tragically he was the last F one driver to pass away in competition. Mm. And I think that that was his godfather or something like that. Um, and that was so his story is also the Bianchi story. Um, but when I think about it, you know, you think about somebody like somebody like Scotty Sheffer or Jordan Spieth, mm, who are from yeah. Dallas, where there's a ton. I mean, like actually. It, Age-wise, it almost seems a little bit like Spieth-y in the sense that they're from Dallas, and there's so much history with Dallas golfers, and of course it's going to be a Dallas guy. They act like Dallas guys. Spieth a little more than that. And I remember uh, Spieth was on, um, I think it was, it was Colton Oast's podcast, where he was talking about how he just goes up and, and goes to Ranger games and has a beer up in the upper deck. And I think Colt was saying, like, I don't think people understand. Jordan Spieth can't walk around Dallas. Like he cannot walk around Dallas. I right. Mean, like I think Dak Prescott might have an easier time walking around in a mall than Jordan <laughs> Spieth would at this point. So it's like almost like he's a local legend of a cradle of the sport. So it would be something like that, where it's one of these guys who just comes through Dallas in a way that that uh, that. I mean, I guess if a guy's from from Jupiter, I, I think you might say the same thing from Jacksonville, something like that. Um, but when you think about, you know, the, the, the culture, the, Hogan, the culture the of, uh, Jupiter is just, is it's, it's not Monaco. I guess that that's the main difference. Like Daniel <laughs> Berger was raised in, you know, the fires yeah. of West Palm beach, but I, you know, you certain, you lose a certain cachet, I think. So I think Spieth is actually exactly right because they yeah. both generally, you know, carry themselves with, uh, yes. you know, do and say the right thing. Don't necessarily make headlines, um, yep. with, you know, at the microphone, uh, and are just very good. And I would say the deep respect for the game, as you said, but then also fiery in extremely limited spurts that show you that they're mm. not always cool, calm, and collected. Right. You know, like they, they are the class act guy 99% of the time, and that 1% is, uh, it gets ugly. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's very true. That's actually probably something that gets underrated about Jordan Spieth is just like, you know, on the golf course, he's an absolute maniac. Like he's, he's not a bad guy, Same. but there's Same. a lot. What is, what's the quick scouting report on your game? Completely cosmetic, completely. Co- what I mean by that is, so I came into the sport really late. I was, I think 30 when I first picked up a, a club and actually got lessons. So my drive is I, I I appear to be someone who has taken lessons. My entire goal when I take lessons is to not be embarrassed out there. Because what happened was mm. I was thrown into the deep end. I was playing with a lot of my bosses really quickly. And so I would just go to, go to instructors and say, I just need to look like I belong out there. Which means I hit the, the crap out of the driver. It almost always goes straight. Um, it can go really, really far. And then... My short game was a complete disaster. Ball striking is a hit and miss. I can go from anywhere. I, 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 probably because I picked up the game late, I can have complete disaster days where I shoot 110. Um, but the last time I played, I played at PGA West, uh, and I played two Pete Dye courses, and I, I think I was below 85 on both of them. Wow. Um, so it's completely – it's a little, little bit random. The mm-hmm. driver's always going to be working. The ball striking is hit and miss, and the short game is just a the, – the, my approach shots have to be really good for me to get any any sort of strokes gained putting because I'm not going to get there with the. I, it's a total. I mean, like I, if I have like a, a, a nine foot chip, it's like you know. Remember how teams would just leave Rajon Rondo alone at the three point line? Yeah, like you might as well. If I'm playing, if if, if I've got a chip that, to to get down into or something, you might as well just. I might as well concede the hole. It's over. <laughs> One day I'll take short game lessons. And the other thing is, I live in Brooklyn, right? And 
I can, there's no green space here. We have a backyard, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's not. There's no grass there. Typical of, of of New York City, and so I don't get to hone those those sort of more feel parts of my game. And so again, back to the cosmetic thing. When I warm up and go play Beth Page Red or Beth Page Black, which is probably my two most common courses, mm-hmm. like I have to go out. They don't have a irons. They don't have a, a, a driver range there, so I have to go to another Long Island place, smack the driver twenty times, mm. never pick up a putter, go out there cold and just go. And so this is a long way of saying like uh, I I have I have one and a half things that work about my game, but. I always look like I belong because that's how I ta- tailored my game. I will never be embarrassed on a golf course. I think that's terrific. I think I think that that's a smart way to approach it. Are you a Marine Park warrior down there in Brooklyn? No, never, no. never. Well, everybody, so everybody I talk to says it's like seven hour rounds. Uh, I mean, I think it depends on the time and day of the week, yeah. but it's yeah. easier for me to get out to Bethpage. It's yes. like a 45 minute drive for me to Bethpage. You can always get red. If you just stick to it when you can also get black, um, at least like you can only do it once a month, but they, you can, you can find that. And also, by the way, on some days I've, I've had put reservations at black and be like, I'm going to take red. Like it's 92 degrees. Yeah, I can't yeah. do black today. Um, but it's easier for me to get out to Beth page and then out, you know, in the New York city area, there's a ton of people I know who have, uh, memberships of places. And so it's a pretty cool community. I haven't gotten out there nearly as much. Uh, the F one thing has sort of taken a lot of my time. This <laughs> gutted year, your off season. It's, here. it's gutted my off season. It's got, it's gutted my, me having four days a week to golf. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll get out there pretty soon. I've been lucky enough to play some really good courses around the New York city area. I need to, need to fire that back up. One last comparison question. Is there a Max Homa, a kind of, you know, fan favorite starts yeah. as a cult hero and then ends up like, wait a minute, this guy could be on the freaking Ryder Cup team. Is there anyone that's had kind of that trajectory? I, I mean, Lando honestly is a bit like that. And it was funny because there were people talking this week because he scored 80% of McLaren's points. And there were people who were talking about how even when, even the comparison to George Russell in F2, it always seemed like Russell was the guy. And now Lando, so Lando is successful on social media because kind of like what we said, he lives a life of luxury, but he's also like always on the Sims on Twitch and all this stuff. He's really good Mm. at engaging with his fans that way. And uh, in the same way, Max is on Twitter and all that stuff. And and he's he's extremely social media savvy. As we discussed, he tried to get a golf game on Twitter. Um, Lando, although Max probably has too. And I would say that Lando in the last couple of weeks, there have been people, and I've just heard pundits, maybe ex-drivers say this, where they didn't anticipate that he's maybe on the track if he gets the right car to be a future world champion. Mm, And I think he's with McLaren until 2025, and I don't think McLaren's going to make that jump. But I do think that there's certainly um, bigger things in his future than I think a lot of pundits thought maybe 18 months ago. Wow, I love that. Um, Any U.S. Open picks you want to get out there? We're a week a week uh, out from balls in the air. Chaos. It's absolute nice. chaos. Um, no, I mean, mm-hmm. like, I think that there's going to be, I, I'm, for the first time, I am, I adore the sport of golf. And I love watching golf, and I just want golf on my television. But I cannot wait to see what people are saying. And I can't wait to see what, what you know, Snyder marks are made from either side, from either side. Um, 
And that's, you know, Phil showing up there. I guarantee you Phil's going to say something. He's not going to be the, the class act guy the whole time. He's obviously in a weird place right now. Uh, he needs a shave. <laughs> Probably not going to be able to wear that leather jacket at the country club. Um, I haven't done my, my golf research, frankly. And just be, and, and the fact that this is a, a course they haven't been to in a long time um, yeah. is really interesting to me. It might be, a, it might be a, for, for those type of um, events, I tend to not bet a ton just because I don't have a ton of data on the course and, and what that looks like. I mean, mm-hmm. We'll know the yardages and we'll know the average approach shot and stuff like that. But I, I'd like to see a little more data on it before I start putting uh, you know, my, my car payment down on it. Um, and so I don't have a necessarily locked on U.S. Open pick right now, except to say, and this is the same thing that's been true for two years, there's like eight guys in golf yeah. who should win every single week. And that's what's <laughs> so hard about gambling on it right now yep. is like there's a case to be made that if a couple guys get good with their putter, like there's, there's guys who just should win by 10 strokes in that case, you know? And yeah. when I think about, you know, Scheffler, Rom, Cantley, I'm not more Cal being the most obvious. Victor Hovland also, if his short game ever comes around, you know, he, he would win. Justin Thomas, I mean, ro- put Rory in that mix. Sal Torres, you put yeah. that in the, that mix. I don't remember. What's funny about the live golf thing is I don't remember a deeper crop of PGA Tour pros at the very top who can be this compelling on the course all the time. So if I'm guessing who's going to win the U.S. Open – I'd go Rom right now, just mm-hmm. first blush, um, only because I just think that John Rom's going to win the next twenty U.S. Opens. Like he just seems like his game is built yeah. for that. But I haven't done enough research to actually just say, okay, here, here, here's my dance card. It's true. It's very much the thing where you know Justin Thomas wins the PGA Championship, and you're like, well, yeah, of course he won the PGA Championship. But <laughs> yeah. Figuring that out in advance a little bit more difficult. Uh, Kevin, where can people find you? Uh, Twitter at by Kevin Clark. Um, I'm on the ringer. I host the ringer NFL show, the ringer F1 show in the fall. I host a show called slow news day. We had Vicky Fowler on it last year. Speaking of media hits, um, he's the only golfer thus far. I do make appearances on our golf podcast, particularly around the major. I think mm-hmm. I'm going to write about this, uh, this live golf thing as well. Oh, good. Uh, next week on the ringer.com. I have too many thoughts on it. All right. Um, sounds good. Do you have any parting thoughts that you want to get out here about live final thoughts? F1, the Party world, thoughts. how should people feel um, about, how should people feel about live? If you're, if you're a golf fan out there and you're not sure what to make of it, Kevin, tell us how to feel. I, I'm going to tell you, right. I'm going to let the free market speak for itself. If the product is compelling and you, the listener want to watch it, go ahead. But I have my reservations and it's going to be compelling enough for me to turn the, is, it, is the first one going to be like on YouTube? It's going to be on YouTube and Facebook. Okay. I, there's not any chance that I turn that on. <laughs> <laughs> there's not any and you're talking to someone who will like watch like a sec championship golf mm-hmm. you know like if the razorbacks are, are on the back nine of some random sure. course i will watch that and i don't think i'm going to seek out all right you're not going to be chromecasting this one under your TV they have to they, they have to give me a compelling reason i haven't seen one yet all right so i don't i'm open to the idea that this is success i just want a reason to turn it off I don't know if free market and giving Bryson DeChambeau like $150 million is necessarily go hand in hand, but there is definitely some sort of market that will now come into play. Uh, Kevin Clark, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Dylan. Huge fan. All right, folks, that was Kevin Clark on the drop zone. Fantastic interview. And we got we to gotta have him back on, especially uh, as golf looks more, I think probably more and more like Formula One. 
and uh, hopefully in all the right ways. Thanks to Kevin for coming on. Thanks to Connor producing and editing this podcast. We'll see you on Sunday.